Well, praise the Lord, we're going to have communion this morning, and uh, I'm going to, there we go, I'm going to teach some stuff here before we do that. <clears throat> praise the Lord. You guys doing good? Do you know your gems? A couple you do. A couple you do. Sometimes, you know, I, I take for granted that everybody knows this. But um, you know the mural we have on that wall back here on the outside? <clears throat> anybody ever notice that when you walk in, there's a mural on the wall? Does anybody know what that mural means? Yeah, a couple, maybe. Anyway, before we came to Menominee, Dane and I, um, we were associate pastors in a church in Minneapolis, and we'd been there for a dozen years. And we were very connected. We'd grown with that church from 25 people to, to hundreds of people. And, and uh, it was our life. And God called us and said, hey, we want you to go. He wants you to go and start a church. We didn't know at that time, but it was in Menominee. And, you know, how many of you know it can be hard to make changes sometimes? We were in that transitionary state, and it was very difficult because our hearts are being torn. And, you know, that, you know what it's like. Yeah, Allison, you know what it's like. And, and what God spoke to our hearts when we were praying about it is that there are gems in this city that we have yet to meet. And so, you know who those gems are? They're you. They're you. You're the people that God has brought in, and, and uh, you're the gems that are on that mural outside on the wall. Sarah Busis painted that whatever year. It's in the corner, says the year. <clears throat> but she painted, you know, that based on that, that vision that we had. So, yeah, now you know the rest of the story, as one guy used to say. All right. Acts 19 is where we're going to start today. <clears throat> Excuse me. Acts 19. This almost seems strange to me to start here, but I'm going to do it just because that's what came up in my heart. So in Acts 19.13, there's a story, and uh, I'll just read it. It says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name, on the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish uh, chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Interesting thing, huh? Sceva, sons of Sceva. I think they were a Swedish family and... Uh, <laughs> Had seven sons, you know, they, Oli and Schwen and a couple others in there. But uh, anyway, isn't that interesting? You know, you can read on, and, and it wasn't a happy thing that went on after, after this demon spoke up. You know, in fact, they, they ran out of there. I should have probably put this in there, too. They ran out of there. They ran out naked. They got, they got whooped. Let me tell you what. They, they didn't have a happy experience. It wasn't like kumbaya when it all ended. But I found this interesting. He says, First of all, he says, by, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. By the Jesus whom Paul preaches. It's good to hear Paul preach. It's good to hear different people preach. But whatever you hear preached, you got to make it yours. You can't ride on somebody else's revelation. You can't ride on what belongs to somebody else. You can make it yours. But until you do, it's still theirs. And what also struck me was in verse 15, it says, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. 
but who are you? Do you know who you are? Do you guys know who you are? The fact that these demons did not know who these men were was a direct result of these men not knowing who they were. Did you hear me? When you know who you are, that'll settle things. Do you know who you are today? If you don't know who you are, you know, you need to look in the Bible, primarily look in the New Testament. Primarily, I would look in the epistles of Paul, and I would see who Jesus says you are, who the Word of God says you are. Who, who, who you are in Christ is your identity. Are you out there today? Is anybody out there, is, are people's minds thinking about hot dogs, hamburgers, and, and fireworks and stuff like that? Tell you what, there's some fireworks going on right now in the spirit that'll ignite you and make you a spectacle in this world in such a good way. So, um, people in the world have an identity crisis, okay? Let it not be so in the church. Let us be people who are secure and confident and know who we are. People identify with all kinds of things, and they think it's... I remember this. I remember back in 1986. Anybody alive back then? Anyway, <clears throat> Dane, and I, Dane and I had been missionaries in Haiti. I had been in Haiti for, since 1982, really off and on, and, and consistently since 84. And, and uh, we came back to the States, and, and uh, you know, we plugged into this good little Assembly of God church, and we just said, we'll do whatever you need, and they made us associate pastors, and we were in charge of the youth, and whatever, we, we did our thing, but, but I remember coming back from there, you know, I'd been a missionary for four years, and somehow, I had swallowed that that was my identity, and you know, when I came back to the States, and was no longer missionary Paul from Haiti, even though I didn't really I don't know. I, you know, I never wore the missionary suit or anything like that. I always kind of dressed like I dress always, you know, and was just me. But there was like an identity crisis when I came back because all of a sudden I was changing what I was doing. You know, what you do isn't your identity. Your identity is who you are in Christ. Can you hear me this morning? I remember Dana went through a similar thing because maybe you don't know this about Dana. You want to know something about her? When I met Dana, she was a hairstylist. You know, and she used to do my hair and everything. You know, I had hair and all that. And, and, and uh, I mean, I, I would always have Dana do it. I've had Dana do my hair for, I don't know, 40 years or something. I don't know. But um, anyway, she, she used to do it in a salon. And then, then we got the idea, you know what, it, we were in this church. And everybody in the church would get her hair done by, their hair done by Dana. And so they were coming to our house, you know, all the time and getting haircuts in the basement and whatever. And then uh, we finally whittled it down to we were just going to do it one day a week. And I'm telling you, from I think it was like 8 or 9 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night, every Tuesday, our house was nonstop. Uh, uh, people coming in and out, getting their haircut. And then God started to deal with us that that was not what he was, you know, wanted Dana to be doing. You, know, you can see where this is going. And so she... We decided it was a hard decision, but we decided to, to cut off the hairstylist. She doesn't do hair anymore. And, and she went through an identity crisis. 
I was thinking, you know, when that was happening to her, you know, it's harder to understand it when it's not you. Anybody ever notice that? You know, I was looking at her and thinking, come on, girl. I mean, look at this is like you, you cut this stuff off that you were doing that was kind of a kind of like a rut, kind of like a grind that you're in. Now you're free. But it was like that was identity. It's like who she was. Since high school, she'd been cutting people's hair. Even before she had a license, she was, don't tell anybody, but she was cutting people's hair, you know? And all of a sudden, she, she quit now. She just she stuck with me, cutting my hair, you know? How entertaining is that? Anyway, I think it's entertaining. But anyway, people identify with all kinds of things. People identify with crisis that they go through. People identify with politics. People identify with, 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 with sometimes they identify with sickness, but all these things are not who you are. And it's important that you know who you are in this life. All right? You need it. When you know who you are, I'm telling you what, the devil will recognize you. I know that's everybody's goal to be recognized by the devils. But I'm telling you what, those seven sons of Sceva, they were wishing that they'd had some clout in the spirit world. They're wishing that they had something that Paul had, that Jesus had, and what Paul and Jesus had is they knew who they were. And when you know who you are, I'll tell you what, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. We can't be just trying these things. We can't be just trying to act like Jesus. We can't be just trying to act like the Apostle Paul. We can't be just trying to act like whoever your favorite preacher is. Anyway, Stephen or not. Anyway, um, <laughs> be who you are. You know, that's the thing you need to do too. You know, don't be trying to imitate somebody else. Be who you are. The world needs you. We need you, the, the new creation, you. Your personality needs to shine through you, okay? You don't need to be somebody else. You know, you know how it is, you know, you go to a seminar, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, I guess, you know, we'd go to these camp meetings and things, you know, and everybody, all the preachers had a southern accent. I'd find I'd come back, I'd start preaching, I had a southern accent all of a sudden. And I even lived in Oklahoma for a couple years and I didn't have a southern accent. But you know, you, you kind of identify with people. But I'm telling you, you are who the world needs. You're the one that you need to be. All right, so 2 Corinthians 5.17, you know I'd go here eventually says this, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Is there any anyone's out there? There's 15 of them. 15 anyone's out there. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. I've said this for many years, is that you just didn't get a new slate when you got in Christ, the old slate that, you know, if you had like a slate, like, you know what I'm talking about, like a chalkboard, and on that chalkboard was, you know, everything written about you that was bad, you know, all the, 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 the sins and all the imperfections, all the, the shortcomings are all listed on this chalkboard. And some people thought, well, when I get in Christ, he just came in with an eraser and he erased everything and I, there we go. No, that ain't what happened. I'm telling you, you got in Christ. They took that old slate that you were. They broke it and destroyed it. And you became a brand new person in Christ Jesus. Let me read a couple others. Jordan says this, if a man is a Christian, he's a brand new creation. The old guy is gone. Look, a new man has appeared. 
The Street Christian, anybody have a Street Christian Bible? It was written back in the Haight-Ashbury days in Berkeley. Some hippies got saved and they, you know, they got educated and they, they wrote a translation. And uh, it's kind of fun. It says, when a person comes to know Jesus, all that old trash drops off. He's got a whole new life started. Then the Laubach, Frank Laubach, said it this way. He said, if a man is in Christ, he's created anew. The man he was has passed away, and behold, a new man has been created. Hey, listen, if you knew no more, that is your identity. That is your identity. That's who you are. There's more to know, but that's the beginning. The death of Jesus Christ, it included us, and it changed us forever. It changed us. Um, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, a couple things. I'm just talking about this new you that you are. I've got a few points I want to make this morning before we receive communion. Um, but in Colossians 1, 13, uh, through 14, it says, He, talking about Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness. Can you say this with me? Say, I have been delivered, been delivered. from the power of darkness. Not going to be. I have been. See, and you've been conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that good news to know? I'm telling you, you need to meditate on that. You need to say that to yourself. Speak it over until it becomes real in your heart, till you know who you are, that you have confidence in who you are. You're not kind of trepidatiously walking through life going, oh my, I hope I don't, you know, walking on eggshells. Hope I don't take a wrong step somewhere. Hey, big deal if you did. Just get right back on and go the right way. People get all bent out of shape because they think how they missed it and the devil beats them up over the head, tells them, oh, if you'd have only done this back in 1999 or something, you know, I'm telling you what, it's a new day. Start living in today, okay? Let the past go. Good preaching, Pastor Paul. Okay, yeah, all right. Hey, Living Bible says he's rescued us from the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom. He brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Rescued us out of the darkness. Is there any darkness and gloom out there in the world? I'm telling you what, you've been rescued from it. Then the Jordan version, he says, The Father sprang us from the jailhouse of darkness, and he turned us loose in the new world of his beloved Son. That gives some definition to me. That gives a picture to me. I see it that I've been turned loose in this new world that Jesus has for me. Look in Colossians 2.15, if you will, for just a minute. I'm talking about being free from the devil. I'm saying this, that the new person that you are has been delivered. He's been set free from the devil's grip. And in Colossians 2.15, it says that Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. I like that. That has some power in it. You know, when you're sitting there getting beat up by the devil, why don't you just go read this verse to him? Tell him you've been defeated, you've been disarmed. You know, sometimes I, my time, you know, you know, people are all different. Do you know that? My wife is an early riser. You know, I never, you know, I, I, she gets up usually hours. I get up at 6 o'clock almost every single day. Some days I get up earlier, but at least by 6. And just about any day I get up, she's been up for two hours before I get up. At least, at least. I'm a, I, I stay up a little later. And, you know, before I go to bed, 
I like to say things to myself. I like to say things like this, that I've been, you know, crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but yet, you know, Christ is living in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'll say things like that to myself. Just, I have my time with God at night. Maybe you have your time with God in the morning. Maybe you have it at night. Whenever it is, if it's right for you, man, just enjoy that time. You know? You hear what I'm saying? People get condemned. I used to think that way. I think, man, if I was only an early riser. Well, you know what? There's scripture I can find for both. For staying up late and spending time with God. And for getting up early and spending time with God. And whatever way fits you, man, just, just be you. All right. Good, good going. Here's the county bear translation. I'm sure everybody's got that one in their back pocket. It says, he disarmed, the, he disarmed the principalities and the powers which fought against him. Talking about Jesus, whooping the devil. Put them to open shame, leading them captive in the triumph of Christ. Then the JWC wand, I like this one. It's probably my favorite. It says, he stripped away like a cast-off garment every demonic rule and authority and made a public exhibition of them. The devil has been defeated. You're in Christ. You've been raised with him. You've been seated with him far above all the power of the devil. You don't need to be afraid of the devil. You don't want to buddy up to him. You don't need to be afraid of him. You're new. Hebrews 2.14 says, Inasmuch as the children have been partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of the death, that is, the devil. Here's the one Jordan's translation said, he might break the grip of the one who controls death. Break the grip. The grip of the devil has been broken over you. Don't buy the lie. Don't buy the defeat. You're free. You know, we're celebrating freedom in our, our country this, this weekend. But I'm telling you what, I celebrate freedom every day. The freedom that Jesus purchased for me. Woo, doggy. Who are you? You're a person that has a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 said, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Do you hear that today? Say, I don't have a spirit of fear. I have power. I have love. I have a sound mind. Tell you what, my head is thinking clear. The Holy Spirit is thinking through me. I'm purposing in life to yield to Him in every area I have, you know? It's a practice. It's something I'm going on. Let me read this in, in Daniel chapter 1. This is kind of an enlightening scripture to me. In Daniel chapter 1, you need to know this, that uh, the Babylonians had invaded Jerusalem and taken away people. They'd taken them captive. And among the people that were taken away were, were four people that are significant that you'll hear about in the book of Daniel that you probably know. You probably know three of them by their, their Babylonian names. They're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Am I right? They had Hebrew names, which I won't try to pronounce because I know the song for it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so it's always stood, stood out in my mind. But uh, then, then among them, uh, the other one is, uh, is Daniel himself. And uh, when they were taken captive, they were recruited to serve in the king's palace. But something that, they, they, that was 
meant something to them is they wanted to hold true to the, their Jewish uh, diet, okay, that had been laid out in the Torah. So, you know, their, their diet consisted of, of, you know, more fruits and vegetables than the Babylonians. And, you know, it was a little bit of a stir, but they let, they let them do it, but then they tested them later. And in uh, verse 17, I'll just read this. It says, as for the four young men, and again, who is that? That's Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you can look up their Hebrew names if you want to in the Bible later and see. But um, as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king interviewed them, and among all them, none were found like Daniel, Hanan okay, there they are, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. There you go, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that's their Hebrew names. Therefore, they were served before the king. You like that, Mary? Good. Anyway, and in all matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all of his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first day of King Cyrus. I like that, though. Did you hear what he said? They were found ten times better. Ten times better you know, and, and again, we're not saying, huh, we're way better. We're saying this, that God makes a difference in your life. I'll tell you what, you can have clear thinking. You can have a sharp mind. I've heard testimonies of people that, that you know, got saved in high school and they were D students and they got born again and they yielded the life of God in them, became A students. It is. God's awesome. God wants to work through you. He, don't set limits on yourself. You know, we were praying this morning, what, what, what God spoke to my heart is to expect the unexpected. In other words, take the limits off. Don't be stuck in a rut thinking, oh, this is who I am. I'm telling you what, God is yet to take you everywhere that he wants to take you. There's more for you. Say more. more. Woo, yeah, all right. Part of your identity in Christ is a sound mind with clear thinking. Tell you what, God will quicken your intellect. He'll quicken your intellect. I remember when I got born again, back in the 70s. I mean, before I got born again, I never read anything. Oh, I did. I read Rolling Stone magazine and High Times. Those are my two, I didn't even subscribe. But those are my two things. Man, when I got born again, there was like a hunger that was birthed in me. And, and I would go down to the books. They knew me at the Christian bookstore by name. I'd walk in. It was this place down on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. It was a rough area. But they had this great, good Christian bookstore. And I'd walk in there when I'd get paid. They'd know it was my payday. Because I'd come in and I'd just buy books. And I'd, every night I was up reading. I was the last person to go to bed. Again, I'm a night person. I was the last person to go to bed every night because I'd just stay up and read. I just couldn't get enough. When I, by the time I went to Bible school, and I went to the Bible school down in Oklahoma that Kenneth E. Hagan was the president of, and by the time I went to Bible school, I had read every single book that he had written, every one, cover to cover. There's a couple I had memorized, literally. I knew them by heart, and I could 
could preach them to people, and I had done it. There's one on, on the gift of speaking in tongues. I had that thing from cover to cover, and I had used it, you know, to lead people in that gift. What am I saying? I'm saying that the Holy Ghost, the life of God on the inside of you, will quicken you. He'll change you. He'll turn you into a different person. Yield to that. You, you, you learn to yield to the Holy Spirit in life. He'll make you look like a genius. He'll make you look like a genius. It's the truth. All right, can I give you another one? There's an ID check. Healing is part of your ID in Christ. It's part of your identity. Healing is who you are. Healing. Luke 13, verse 11. It says, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could no wise raise herself up. 18 years. Anybody here 18 years or older? <laughs> How many would agree that 18 years is a long time? What kind of a mindset do you develop having a condition like she did for 18 years? Do you think it's possible that that could, be, could become her identity? You know? Do you think she could just see herself like that and, and maybe have a difficult time imagining even that she could be different than how she was after 18 years? So anyway, verse 12, it says, Jesus, he saw her. Ha, what's it like for Jesus to see you? in a crowd. He called her to him. And he said to her, Woman, you're loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Isn't that amazing? Immediately she was made straight. You know, that's something the Lord has been speaking to me lately, is that, you know, sickness comes and knocks on everybody's door, okay? Even when you believe in divine health like I do, uh, you know, there's times when sickness knocks on my door. And the thing I've, what I've seen in the last two years that God's been showing me is don't develop that mindset that this is how it's got to be. Do you hear me? Now, this lady was 18 years. You know, sometimes something will be on you for a couple weeks or a couple months, God forbid. But there's a temptation to develop this mindset that this is my lot in life. Don't ever do that. I always have the expectancy that immediately things can change. Do you know they can? You know that as quickly as sickness can come on a person, it can leave that quick too? Did you know that? You see, don't buy the mindset that this is my lot in life. Where was I? Verse 14. It says, The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. <laughs> Just paints a picture. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them, but not on the Sabbath day. The Lord answered and said to him, uh, here, here it goes. This is not the way you want the Lord to see you in the room. The Lord answered and said to him, Hypocrite! <laughs> wow, true. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? And then he, in verse 16 he says, So ought not this woman being daughter of Abraham, whom Satan is bound, think of it for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. 
And when he had said these things, in verse 17, it says, His adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. I should go back in verse 16. Did you notice this, that who had her bound for all these 18 years? Was it God that had her bound for 18 years? Was it Well, it could have been religion, but, but who, who had her bound? It was the devil. The devil had her bound. And who was it that set her free? Jesus was. You know what I'd say if you're going through something? Make it your heart's desire to get to know him better. When you know who he is, you'll know what he does. Do you hear me? When you know who Jesus is, you'll know what he does. And he is a healer. Peter, looking back on this whole event, along with other things that he witnessed and experienced in life, we're going to receive communion in just a couple minutes here. Um, but he said this in Acts 10.38. He was preaching in the house of Cornelius. Peter was. Peter, the one that was with Jesus. The one that walked on water. That's the Peter I'm talking about here. He was preaching in the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It's recorded that he said this, that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So Peter said it straight. He said, who, who oppresses people? It's the devil that oppresses people. Who sets people free? Jesus sets people free. I just, this is me. This is not the Bible. This isn't a commentary or anything. But somehow, you know, when I'm preaching sometimes, you know, my mind will go back to things. I'll be preaching about a certain truth, and all of a sudden, you know, I get a picture in my mind of something happened, you know. I just happened to think that when Peter was there preaching in Cornelius' house that day, that might have been flashing through his mind the very day that Jesus walked into the synagogue and healed that woman, set her free. After 18 years of being in bondage, he was, she was set free immediately. I love that. Immediately. Immediately. Didn't, wasn't bowed over anymore. She was set free and worshiped God, glorified him. I bet that was flashing through Peter's mind, and he says, yeah. I'm going to tell you what Jesus did. He went about doing good, healing all those who were sick, all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Glory to God. Amen. Get to know him as your healer. Get to know him. He paid the price for you. None of us have experienced everything yet that Jesus paid the price for. Do you know that? Isn't that something? You know... You know, I got grandkids. You probably noticed a few of them up here. And, and uh, you know, you go to the store and, and you know, sometimes they, they get the gimmies, you know, and sometimes the uh, pops, you know, will give in and buy something for them. And you pay for it. Wouldn't it be a shame if you paid for it and they left it in the store? The reason you pay for it is that they can take it and enjoy it. Jesus paid the price. He paid the price for us. We're going to go ahead and and uh, receive communion. Before we do this, I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for anybody watching online today. God is a good God. Something we pray, you know, um, we pray this probably every time we get together, is just that, that the love of God would be real to every person. I pray that today, that, that the love of God would just be a reality in your life you'd realize that, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've done, he loves you right now. In Romans 5, verse 8, it says, God demonstrated his love, his own love toward us, 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I love that verse. I love that verse. It wasn't when we got our act cleaned up, you know. It wasn't when we were all doing everything we think we're doing right, you know. It wasn't when we went to church 15 times in a row, sat in the same chair. We, we, we owned it, man. I tell you what, yeah, who? It wasn't any of that. It was when we were on our worst day. God loves us. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you when you're at your worst. And you don't need to be, you know, uh, there's a song they used to sing a lot of times at uh, evangelistic meetings. And they'd sing it at the altar call. They'd say, just as I am without one plea. Just as I am. And that's how God is, is, is speaking to us today. He's saying, wherever you're at today, I'm telling you what, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to let the past go and walk forward in him. Today is the day to receive all that he's done for you, to receive the free gift of salvation. In, Acts, in Romans 10, 13, uh, I love this one. I love a lot of things in Romans 10. But just if I was going to pick one verse, I'm going to read this one here in verse 13. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means any of us can do it. There isn't this hard thing you got to go through to be saved. It isn't, again, about your performance. It's about Jesus' performance. It's about what he did for you. And it's simply, you could say this, it's simply humbling yourself and saying, hey, I receive it. I'll take what you did for me. I want it. You know, all it takes is believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord, believing he died for you, that he was raised from the dead, and saying, hey, I want it. Being real, that's all it is. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you're there at home watching or at the cabin watching, just pray along with us. You know, and if you just pray this and, and just be real with God right now, you know, he'll hear you. Your life will change. Say this with me. Say, Father God, I thank you that you love me. You care about my life. I believe in my heart. Jesus is the Son of God. Believe he died for me. He was raised from the dead. He lives forevermore. Right now, I open my heart and say, come live in me. Be real to me. Help me to know you better every day I live. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's how easy it is. It isn't a formula. It isn't magic words. It's just, just calling on him, believing, being real with God. I'm telling you, that's what I did back in 1977. It changed my life. I've never been the same. It's not that I'm perfect yet, but I tell you what, the perfect one is living in me, and he's changed me. He's changed me. Best is yet to come. Praise the Lord. We're going to go ahead and receive communion this morning. If you're from another church or you your first time here, you're still welcome. You're part of the body of Christ. If you've prayed that just now, man, just now, maybe, you had, maybe you're even cranky on the way to church. Anybody ever been cranky on the way to church? I have. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> maybe you were. It doesn't matter if you've asked Jesus. I'll tell you what. He's wiped it out. He's made you new. We're going to go ahead and come on up, and uh, there's the, the way it's done is there, there's two cups here together. Take them both.
the bread is on the, the bottom cup and the juice is on the top. And when everybody has been served, um, we'll take it together. And the ushers will dismiss you row by row. Just come on up and take it back to your seats. And we'll pray and take it together. You know, if you're believing God for something in your body or in your life, let this be a point of contact. Let it be a time you release your faith in the power of the gospel. And uh, tell you what, we're following the instructions of Jesus, the instructions of the Apostle Paul. We're doing this. We're remembering our covenant. We're remembering who we are. Father, we thank you for the body of Christ broken for us. We take this reverently and, and uh, with faith and thanksgiving. And we lift it up. We declare freedom in our lives, in our bodies, in our minds. Come to attention. Line up with the covenant. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same way we take the bread, we take the cup. We're so thankful for the blood of Jesus that we've been redeemed, been forgiven of every sin we ever had. Every one, every wrong, stinking thought, everything. It's been wiped clean. It's been, we're made new, pure, all because of Jesus. We hold the blood up today over our, our lives, over our families, and their friends. We thank you, Father, for your hand upon us. Take this in faith, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. However you tuned in today, why don't you subscribe and maybe share with a friend? Yeah, and if you're in the area, we would love to have you join us in person Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. right here in Menominee, Wisconsin. Also, we would be honored if you would consider partnering with us financially to help make this all possible. And you can do that at wearelovechurch.com. These are great days to be alive. Thanks for tuning in today. God bless you. We love you. See ya.